This week, the podcast is sponsored by the Imperial Bank of Botherton. If you have a mountain of gold coins looted from an unfortunately deceased goblin tribe, or a cache of valuable gems liberated from a sadly demised commune of bugbears, you'll find no better place to store it. The Imperial Bank of Botherton's vault is guarded by nuclear bear owls, and its adamantine doors are enchanted by the greatest mage in all the... Oh, wait, I think there must be an error. I'm the greatest mage in all the world. Who is, who is this pretender? Who? Who? I demand to know! All the tabletop role-playing news We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG Bonjour, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I, as always, am Russ, aka Morris, or Morris, aka Russ, and with me today is... Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild Roleplayers. Ni hao ma to all our Chinese listeners. Yeah, did you see what I did there? No. You didn't notice any difference whatsoever? No, it sounded much the same for me. Oh, fair enough. Fair it was enough. dark. <laughs> yes, there we go. We seem to have come over all European. <laughs> Well, shall we, shall we do some RPG news? See, si. <laughs> Are we going to carry this going all the way through the podcast? Because I'm rapidly running out of languages here. I have, I have GCSE French and German, but I'm not sure we can do any better. <laughs> so, yes. news. News. Uh, okay, let's start with Monty Cook Games. Monty Cook Games. Oh, yes, yes. Two things from Monty Cook Games. Two things from Monty Cook Games. Two things from Monty Cook Games. Go on, then. So the first thing from Monty yes. Cook Games is, you know the TV show Carnival Row? No. Okay. Uh, so Carnival Row is a TV show. It started about a month ago, maybe. Okay. Um, I think it's on Amazon Prime. I'm not okay. sure which. I, I haven't actually seen it myself. Yes. But it, um, it has Orlando Bloom and Ooh. some other people. And it's that set... That played Legolas, wasn't it? And, and it's set in this sort of, I think, pseudo-Victorian world, which has fairies and things in it. Oh, okay. Nice, nice. I'm sure there'll be listeners who've actually seen it and know more about it than I do. Well, it's not a short list of people that know more things than you do. <laughs> I'm sorry, but it's just how it is, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway... It yeah. does actually look quite good. I want to see it. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, it's, uh, it's described as a, a dark uh, neo-noir fantasy thriller. Neo-noir fantasy thriller. Yes. And so... there's, there's like a picture of the okay. cast. Is that... That's not Helena Bonham Carter. I just assumed because of the big wig. But don't no, know. No, I don't think so. Uh, anyway, so this is uses no. um, the Cypher system for Monty Cook Games. Yep. It was written by Carnival Road creator Travis Beecham. Okay. Uh, it was produced in conjunction with uh, Nerdist oh, the and uh, yeah. Legendary Television and Amazon Studios. Okay. So there's quite a quite a, quite a backing behind it. Uh, not lot lots of inputs. Not all from RPG creators, but yeah. No. I, I imagine they've got lots of really good visuals in the book. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Uh, screenshots from the from the actual mm. thing, I imagine. Yeah. Uh, so you can download it as a free. It's like a surprise free. PDF. Oh, that's pretty cool. And you can download it um, directly from uh, Nerdist's website. We'll stick a link in the show notes to it. It's about 36 yeah. pages. It's not really long. Well, no, Cypher system. It's very system-like, but it's good for storytelling. Yeah. I think it's more a setting than a system. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Because I think you've got to have a Cypher system book. Makes sense. Yeah. But, yeah. So if, if you're a fan of Carnival Row... 
I think what's interesting about that is it's like it's so quick off the mark because Carnival Row is obviously Sounds quite like a Sounds like it was thing. planned, yeah. Yeah. Ah, so there you go. RPGs are now considered part of the joint arms releasing all the things on all the media platforms. Hmm. So, yeah. Well, maybe they're just like, hey, people who like role-playing games are probably going to like this. Yeah, maybe. Huzzah! Well, I wonder if, because it was written by screenwriter and Carnival Row creator Travis Beecham, I wonder if yes. he's a gamer, maybe, and that's why that happened. It seems very likely. It's, it's a complete guess on my part. I've no idea. Yeah. Well, Travis, as you're listening, or if you know Travis, uh, <laughs> get Travis to have a listen. And let us know, because like, we're interested. But not, not actually enough to do any work, you yeah. understand. Well, now I've finished <laughs> watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I might, I might line the, um, Carnival Row up as my next binge. Well, I can't Absolutely. binge it, actually. I think it's one a week, so... Ah, oh, there you go. Having to learn restraint in oh, a fashion way. <laughs> I haven't watched a TV show like that in ages. Ah, oh, back in the old days. Yeah. So it was like... And you had to be at your house at a certain time to watch TV. Oh, dark days, my friend. Yeah. Dark days. All right. Other oh. stuff from Monty Cook Games. Oh, yes, yes. So do you want to talk about this one? Uh, oh, is this the consent book? Yes. Oh. I haven't read it. I haven't read it either, but I wear it exists. I keep meaning to read it, but I kept getting distracted by Brooklyn Nine-Nine. <laughs> <laughs> I will read it. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, well, I, I haven't, we haven't read it, but I'm guessing from the name in my usual guess the Kickstarter fashion, it's a book all about consent in RPGs and how has a GM, if you want to bring in something weird or nasty or something, you should make sure your, your players are on board with this. And I assume that's the premise of the book, yes. Yeah, uh, just things like they've had in the Pathfinder second edition rulebook saying, you know, these are how X cards work and these are how people who've had some unpleasant lives deal with things. Like, it can be... I mean, this sort of thing, like, often does focus on sexual assault, but it can also be things like... Um, I've read examples where someone said, the GM decided we all wake up in the middle of a house fire and that person had woken up in the middle of a house fire. Mm. So it was not a good experience for them and they found it very upsetting. Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, and ultimately, what's the GM's number one job? Make sure everyone has a good time. Right? I'm surprised. I don't think that's the GM's job. It's everyone's job. Uh, everyone's job is to, like, work together to have a good time. But, yeah. but you know, you've succeeded. Yeah. The, me- the number one measure of success, then, mm-hmm. is everyone has enjoyed themselves. Even if it didn't go as you planned, yeah, and it all went. I wouldn't put that bizarre. on the, on the feet of the, of the GM. Though. Everyone's oh, oh, responsible yeah. for that. But, but well, yeah, everyone's responsible for having their own fun and creating it. But the GM knows they have succeeded mm-hmm. when everyone's had a good time. Like that's an unambiguous thing. Yeah, if, well, if we play RPGs because they're fun. Yeah, if, if you're not if, having fun, why are you doing it? Exactly. So, like, I, I don't, I don't think it seems very controversial to me. If you, if there are tools to help make sure that people are having a good time, I wouldn't think it was controversial. Apparently, it is, but I wouldn't really? think it was. Yes, yeah. the internet kind of exploded, oh, oh like Twitter and Facebook and all, all the all the usual places, and probably oh, right. Reddit and stuff. Totally exploded with people raging against the idea of. They were raging against the idea of consent. Well, there was. One thing I, I, I did maybe, see I'm just, maybe I'm just putting it really badly and that's what not I, what they're putting. I haven't seen a lot of that because no. I didn't really want to delve into some of those horrible threads that you end that uh, always happen when subjects like this are You didn't fancy getting your wading suit on and yeah. going into the depth of human but, sewage. Yeah. But um I did see one person mm-hmm. on Facebook, um mm-hmm. it was kind of a mild opinion, but he basically yeah. said, We don't need this because Everyone on our, our gaming group um, is on board with what we're doing. We all know we've all got, you know, this sort of stuff. And my, my takeaway from that is, so 
you everyone in your gamer group has given consent even if they haven't like filled in a form in triplicate yeah. informally they've done so in, otherwise how do you know yeah yeah you, because the fact that you know that they're all on board with it and they're all fine with it means that some kind of communication has happened somehow even if it was yeah just like over the course of time yeah, like, okay. yeah so so yeah i mean if everybody's happy that's fine they're all consenting yeah. to the things yeah but if you don't know people, and there's so many people coming into the hobby nowadays, like just from all over the shop, it's like just all these people wanting to play games. So yeah, so it's not just like existing groups. And if your existing group is all completely fine and everyone's happy, fine, keep crack, keep on keeping on. More power to you, over, I say. Mm-hmm. But if you've got a new group, then yeah, it's pr- or even a new player, an existing group it's probably worthwhile checking people's boundaries. Mm. I don't really see why that's a bad thing. Why, why is it a bad thing to check boundaries? Why is it a bad thing okay, just to have... Just, just to, <laughs> well, I am more logging. I will do. Because it's like, well, yeah, check consent. Why not? Because worst, the worst case ha- that happens if you check consent is someone's a bit bored because it's like, oh, no, we've done all this already. And your best case get- is you save someone. It's like, yeah. Ugh. What? I can keep going if you like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've got this I've got my hobby horse I'm going to go ride it Russ <laughs> you're over explaining a very simple concept well yes I know but apparently people find this concept really confusing so I don't know what else to do hmm. it's my it's my eight reflexes somebody gets confused by something that's really simple and obvious I'm like okay well maybe we can reframe it for you it's like drinking a cup of tea you have the right to say no to a cup of tea at any time nobody has the right to say no to a cup of tea oh controversial <laughs> Hey, would you like some tea? Special. <laughs> I have my tea. Um, oh. Should we do some uh, more Pathfinder news? Oh, let's. Because, um, you know, we've mentioned a couple of races recently. Or Ancestries. Ancestries sorry, yes. Ancestries. Yes. Uh, we did, what was it? That Hobgoblin? Yes. And the Groot, or the Leshy. Is the Leshy, yeah, is the Leshy the tree being? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, so we've got the third one Ooh. from the Lost Omens character guide. There's three of nice. them in there. The yeah. third one yes. is, is the the lizard folk. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing there's some sort of humanoid lizard. Yes. Hey. Uh, what does it say? They're medium sized. Yep. Eight hit points. Speed of 25 feet. Um, strength and wisdom boosts. Uh, floor to intelligence. So they're not very bright. They have sharp claws. They can hold their breath underwater. They're basically what you'd expect. And they have the ability to shed their tail in order to escape a grab. Seems like a solid solid idea. It takes one week then for the tail to grow back. Wow. It's quite a large amount of tail to grow back. Does it say anything about the increased calories they need? <laughs> it does. You would probably have to check the actual table in the book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Well, that sounds, uh, sounds exciting. Good stuff. Well done. Uh, what else do we have? Uh, let's have a look. Uh, there is also from Pathfinder, there's a free yes. Pathfinder 2nd edition yes. introductory adventure you can now download. Ooh, shiny. It's called Torment and Legacy. Yes. Uh, uh, it's 21 pages, PDF. I've yep. uh-huh. uh, got six pre-generated characters. Nice. And you need the core rulebook, so it's not a quick start. You need the yeah. core rulebook to play with it. But still, um, free adventure. Hmm. Hard to turn down. Yeah, especially you know a quick in, you know introduction to the uh, to the Pathfinder Second Edition system. Okay, uh, do you reckon they'll bring out a starter set at some point? I am absolutely one hundred percent positive they will. Huzzah! In fact, are you willing to bet a million, 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 million,
afraid listeners <laughs> just got stuck. <laughs> Pounds that they will. Okay. Well, after Brexit, that will be like about 20, <laughs> yes. 20 of your US dollars. I don't think that's, that's much of a, much yeah, of a go. Yeah. That is very true. That is very true. Yeah. Uh, right then. Let's continue. Continue on. Uh, there's a brand new Judge Dredd show. Yes. Uh, this is from the people over at Counter Roleplay. Uh-huh. Uh, you can see it on Twitch and YouTube yeah. and will be on a podcast. And it's called Judge Dredd on the Block. And the first Ooh. episode was called Initiative 422. Nice. Uh, our judges received a promotion and were sent out to Freedom Falls, the worst mega block in the city. Mm. Who's uh, do we know who's running that? Yeah, Encounter Roleplay is the. Uh, oh, okay. Is, is the outfit that are doing it? Um, uh, and are they using like the uh, local best, the, the newest and best judge dress system? Yes, yes, they are indeed. Ah, oh, excellent. Yes, they are using Judge Red in the Wars of two thousand AD. Woohoo! I haven't watched it yet because I'm waiting for the podcast because that's how I always do those. Actual yes. Your preferred method of consumption. Yes. Yes. Hmm. Did you know, right? Yeah. Back in the day, back yeah. in the 90s, 1992 in fact. Oh, right, okay. Not, no, 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 not 1991. No. Not 1993. No. But 1992. That's traditionally how years worked for us. Yes. yes. <laughs> well, uh, uh, <laughs> there was almost a deal that happened. Yes. Where TSR yes. nearly got the rights to Tolkien's work. What? As in J.R.R.? As in J.R.R.? As in Lord of the Rings, that's yes. What? Really? Mm-hmm. And what happened? They passed on it. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh, dear. So what happened oh. was uh, John Ratliff of TSR was sent to London to mm-hmm. negotiate the deal with yeah. Christopher Tolkien. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he missed Gen Con to do so, and apparently at the time no TSR employees were allowed to miss Gen Con. Right. But there's an exception made for this. So he right. travels to London. Yeah. He meets Christopher Tolkien at the Harper Collins offices. Yeah, yeah. And he wants to get the rights for the RPGs, merchandise, yeah. new books, and this sort of stuff. He get, he went back to Lake Geneva. Yeah. yeah. Back to TSR. Uh, communicated all this to the current CEO Lorraine Williams. Yeah, yeah. And. Uh, Right, right. This is quoted as saying, "Her immortal words were not worth our while." She then passed on the whole deal. <laughs> <laughs> this is this, of course, is, oh. the, this is the woman who is trying to push through the Buck Rogers RPG because her family owned the IP. The hero of Buck Rogers. Oh uh, yeah, okay, well, fair the, the RPG yeah. didn't take the world by storm. <laughs> no, that's true. <laughs> oh, oh dear me. Yes. So that's like misstep there. But I'm sure Cubicle 7 are currently glad that that didn't happen. Yeah, I vaguely remember Book Rogers' TV show. Mm. And there was a a board game, which was actually... I sort of wish I still had it. Mm -hmm. Because it was quite... It was a bit like Axis and Allies Mm -hmm. meets Twilight Imperium. And one of the big conceits of it was it had a map of the solar system. Mm -hmm. And you had like these little cardboard counters that that you'd move around a track. And that was the planets moving around the sun. Hmm. So that was actually quite good. And it would that have been quite cool. Yeah, that would have been awesome. But yeah, I got it. I was t- I was far too young. Like basically just wanted to like go pew 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 pew. Let's face it, I still do. I mean, you, <laughs> haven't, you haven't hit puberty yet. It's just. I know. <laughs> Please don't be deceived by my boyish good lucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, are you familiar with the scarred lands? Uh, I think we have talked about it before briefly. Nope, no battles running. So it was, it was a D and D setting back oh, yeah, okay. at the dawn of D and D third edition. 
So oh. it was right after the big drought where there had been no D&D for years. Mm-hmm. D&D 3rd Edition was coming. It was yep. big. It was the biggest news in the RPG world. It was yep. Everyone was excited. Yep. Kept waiting for it. Uh, Scarred Lands was yep. a D&D setting for, by Sword and Sorcery Studios. Right. And they brought out the Scarred Lands... Well, they brought out the D&D 3rd Edition Creature Collection Ooh. Uh, for 3rd Edition yep. and got it to print. Yep. And in the books, in the shops... Before Wizards of the Coast managed to get the monster manual out. Oh, okay. So it was, yeah. it was technically the very first ever um, yeah. D&D 3rd edition monster book. Nice. Um, so, yeah, they, they managed to get it out. Um, and now it's, what, 18 years later, 19 years later. Mm, mm, 20 yeah, well. years later. 1999, wasn't it? So, yeah, 20 years About later. 20 years later. Yeah. Uh, so, Handiwork Games, yes. which is um, John Hodgson, who used to work for Cubicle 7. Yes. Uh, and Onyx Path, yes. who do a lot of the either World or Chronicles of Darkness things. Yes. One of those two. What's uh, or Cobbs, one of those. Yeah. yeah. Um, they've teamed up. Yes. And they are doing a new Scarred Lands creature collection. Ah. 20 years later. Yes. For D&D 5th edition. Okay. Um, so it's a new monster book, which yes. you probably would think, oh, well, there's quite a lot of those about. Man, you've got not as many as you think, to be honest. You've got the... Which of the country has done two or three. You've got the monster manual, and then you have Close. monsters in the various books that come out. But apart from that, you've got maybe Tome of Beasts, which is a third party. Follows Guide to Monsters. Yeah, but that's not got new monsters in. Well, it's got it's got, got it's got in. it's got variations on existing themes of monsters. I quite like Follows. It's got a lot of interesting stuff. But it's a way to get it. It goes in depth into monsters mm. rather than giving you a variety. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I've got it. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, all right. Third party monster manuals. There's quite a lot of them. I think. Oh yeah. I keep yeah, seeing yeah. them popping up on uh, Kickstarter. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and you know, you, you initially think this is just another one, but this yeah. one has sort of a bit of heritage behind it. Ah, I see. It's, yes. uh, you know, it's uh, almost like a part of D&D history at this point blast from the past yeah Yeah. so it's on Kickstarter and the reason I'm bringing it up is because they sent me along a five page PDF preview oh that's nice one which I stuck up on my website yes which you can stick a link in the show notes to Um, and it's of a it's it's of a complete encounter within it because the book has encounters as well as monsters yes Um, of the Temple of the Stars along with the Dunefish Swarm monster which uh which you'll find in there too. And additionally, some art previews as well as that PDF. Oh, yeah. So you can see the art style is lovely. Well, they are like sort of rat sized crocodile things with glowing red eyes yeah. or a skull. That's they look lovely. Yeah, pretty cre- creepy. Oh, that's uh, what's that? That's a uh, sort of a dragon man with wings. And he is a heart clutch. A heart clutch. That's well. a dune fish swarm, the first thing. Okay, yeah, yep. Yeah. Then a heart clutch. Yeah. Then a seraphic creature. That looks like a camel with alien mumps. Yes, it does, doesn't it? i got to say, yeah. yeah. I'm just shooting. Yeah. <laughs> it's sort of like purple and blue and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, yeah. Okay. yeah. Well, you can pop along and have a look at the sort of five-page preview of that. And if you like the look of that, maybe hop on to the actual Kickstarter. Nice, nice. Or not. You don't have to. No, don't it's know. not a, you know, it's not, not compulsory or anything. If you hear that, Lee, listener Lee Donovan, it's not compulsory to buy things you hear about on this show. It is. Oh, well, there you go, there you go. Apparently <laughs> you do have to buy it. Every listener like, <laughs> must know this. Ah, the contract. Do you not remember the contract? No, I was probably drunk when I signed it. <laughs> that happens, anyway. Uh, would you like to do a tiny bit more um, Pathfinder, or would you like to do some Eberron? Ooh, um, let's do some Pathfinder. 
and then finish on the other one, shall we? Well, I do. I do have a bit of news I'd like to talk about. <gasps> yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. why don't you do your bit of news, and then we'll do a bit more Pathfinder, and then we'll do Eberron. Yeah. Well, it's like it's sort of Southampton related, mm-hmm. but please don't switch your brains off now because well, it's well known the fact that all of our listeners live in Southampton. Both of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, um, it's essentially, there's a thing called live action role playing, which probably people have heard of, but if you haven't heard of it, it's basically like the awkward little kid brother of tabletop role playing, which is where people get dressed up as their characters and actually turn up to things. So it's sort of a cross between actual dramatics and... It is not a hobby of which I I partake personally. Yeah, yeah, I I used to do a fair bit of it, um, but then I just got bored and stopped. But yeah, I was still... Still interested in it. I know a fair few, few people who do. The reason I mention this is because there's a new LARP starting in Southampton. Whoopi LARP, who cares? It's really local to us. But the interesting bit is the people doing it actually want to have the World of Darkness, the Camarilla and the Sabbat, uh, which are the two factions, a sort of a, quote, good, unquote, faction and the even worse faction of vampires, uh, squabbling over a 7,000 location map of Southampton itself. Hmm. Um, and depending upon what happens, and the way you do this, you do it online. So what locations are on there? Um, there are 7,000. I didn't think there are 7,000. Is my house one of them? Is this uh, house one? I'll, I'll, I'll speak to the guy who's making it and it make sure your health gets on it. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, here you go. So, you know... Uh, Morris's unofficial tabletop actually, RPG no, talk I actually first. Want my address. I don't actually want my address published. Oh. <laughs> well, That's probably a really bad idea. Yeah, you think? <laughs> well, we could probably put in World Publishing in there somewhere and that could be like a... Yeah, I'll talk to the guy and get him to put in World Publishing in. Yeah. But yeah, he's got, he's got a GoFundMe going. He's got it broken down and yeah, there'll be like people... Uh, doing the live action game, but there'll also be opportunity if you like play by forum and play by post to get involved in that and um, uh, have a go. Yes. So I have a question then. Yes. On these things, mm-hmm. I don't really know how they work. Do they? Yeah. Will they, would they be using the actual Vampire Sixth Edition? Is that the current one now? Sixth. I can't remember. Which uh, one they're, using the, they're using the Mind's Eye Theatre rules. So it's, it's not the actual current role playing game rules. It's not the current role playing game. Right. No. Okay. Yeah. What's the Mind's Eye Theatre rules then? Uh, it's the LARP edition. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, yeah, it's like if you look at Mind's Eye Theatre, it just basically explains um, how to make a live-action vampire character. Hmm. Um, yeah, they've got quite quite a nice website, mm-hmm. uh, which looks at things from the point of view of hunters. There'll also be a geocaching element, mm-hmm. where, where members of the public will have access to geocaches, as will the players, mm-hmm. and whoever gets there first will be either covering up or discovering the existence of vampires. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's ambitious and it's interesting and you know what it's a lot different from regular vampire LARP which I must say I do find very dull but this one sounds like it might actually be really high quality okay. there'll certainly be lots of exciting pictures coming out of it mm. but yeah uh, as I say the man's uh, currently trying to uh, work up a GoFundMe so yeah that'd be interesting times marvellous yeah. yeah so tell me of your Pathfinder news or your Everon news let's do Pathfinder first yes uh, so because we did a bit of Pathfinder earlier we did. And then we steered away from Pathfinder, and now we're steering back to Pathfinder. Ah, it's the joy of Pazos. There's just so much Pathfinder news. So much Pathfinder. So much Pathfinder news. Um, So the Game Mastery Guide, which Ooh. is coming out, I think, early next year. Yes, that'll be... They've shared a preview of that. Right. Uh, and the preview they've shared is of the NPC section. 
Mm -hmm. So it includes a whole load of pre-built NPCs, nice. which you can just like shove straight into your world. So what we got here is the yeah. Plague Doctor and the Surgeon. Ooh. Yeah, January 2020 is when this book's coming out. Right, yeah. That that's a that's a that's a cle must meet cleaver with a handguard. Yeah. I quite, right. I quite like the, I quite like the way the, uh, the surgeon has an, uh, an offensive ability called medical malpractice. <laughs> so you, you can make a medicine check against yeah. a fortitude DC of one living creature they can see right. within 60 feet. Yeah. On a success, their melee strikes will then deal an extra 1d6 precision damage against that creature oh. until one minute passes okay. or the surgeon critically hits that creature, whichever comes first. So basically... Your knowledge of anatomy <laughs> means that you can study someone and do extra damage to them. Well, that's that's doubtless why uh, the our doctors swear the Hippocratic Oath, because mm. uh, otherwise they just go around killing people. Yes, well, obviously Pathfinder doctors do not. No. And that's why they wander around with these meat cleavers with blood dripping off them. Uh, and I say, handguards, which I've not seen on one before. So, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I think it's obvious that their version of the oath is, first, do more harm. Mm. <laughs> Okay, so, and there'll be a whole pile of NPCs in there. Yes, yeah, there'll be a whole load of them. Lester, you, you know they've got the yeah. sidebar yeah. in the core rulebook? Yes. Or you can see the sidebar on the edge of this sample Ooh, page, so you can get nice. to see what else is in the book. So we've got chapter one is advice. Yeah. Chapter two is tools. Yeah. Chapter three is subsystems. Mm -hmm. Chapter four is variant rules. Oh. And chapter five is the NPC gallery. Okay. I mean, they have covered a lot of the things I'd consider to be pretty handy in the... In the core rulebook, so yeah, yeah, yeah this just seems advice. like it's a grab bag of useful stuff for game masters, yeah, basically. Okay, uh, for new aspiring, and maybe there'll be some stuff in there for the ones new to Pathfinder, too. Mm. Yeah, like the way it's got this is still a work in progress along the side there, um. and up here, ailments common ailments appear on page XXX. Nah. Let's say, you know, <laughs> yeah, they're still yeah. working on it, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I'm expecting it to be a lovely designed thing, when it I'm sure out. it will be. All right, everyone. Everyone, here we go. Everyone, here we go. I'm excited. So, a couple of weeks ago. Yes. Was it three weeks ago? Some time ago. They uh, released a cover. Oh, yes, yes. A placeholder cover. Yes. On all media channels. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened was this placeholder cover yeah. is released. Uh, it shows... On all the media channels. Yeah. On Amazon. It's, it's the one with the, with the lady's face and the little dragony thing sitting on her shoulder. I thought it was a fox. A fox, whatever yeah. it is. Um, and it got uh, a very mixed reaction. I quite liked it. A lot of people hated it. Yeah, it's right. it fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this was by um, who was that? That was by uh, Ben Oliver, was it? Uh, I can't remember. Yeah, Ben Oliver, who yeah. who did a couple of other. He did Strad. Yeah, yeah, and he did a couple of other covers as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. covers. So yeah. yeah. So there was a quite an active reaction. Yeah. And uh, and then uh, Jeremy Crawford. Posted on Twitter yes. and said that that cover was not the final cover. It was just a placeholder and was an interior illustration just um, serving, serving as a placeholder cover. Right. Which seemed a bit odd, but still. So... Yeah. Maybe they should have... I don't know. Well, the other day there was a video they released. They did one oh, of those yeah. sort of twitchy, streamy things at two o'clock in the morning on a Saturday morning or something. Yeah. And it hit, it hit um, YouTube. Yeah. And they talked a little bit about that. So it was yeah. Greg Taito and Jeremy Crawford were talking about it briefly. Yeah. And uh, Taito goes, um, so we've decided to change this cover. Right. Uh, we are going with a different cover for this book. Yeah. We had the rare opportunity to change that because the files had not yet been sent to the printer. Yeah. 
Uh, and he goes on to say a little later, once we announced, we received a lot of feedback from fans yes. saying they wanted a different cover. Okay. And that feedback really galvanised us. So we are changing it to this cover designed by Wesley Burt. Uh-huh. Which doesn't seem to be quite the same thing, I think, that Jeremy Crawford was saying. That doesn't sound like a placeholder cover to me. That sounds like they changed their minds. Yes. I mean, I don't know. Uh, well, Crawford yeah. did kind of expand a little. He goes, uh, when the book was announced, mm-hmm. uh, we were still a week out yep. from sending the books to the printer. Yeah. So we had a window of time to swap out the cover, yep. which is actually something we had been discussing for <laughs> some time leading up to the announcement. So it's not like it came totally out of the blue. It oh, does yeah. sound like they were sort of half planning on changing the cover anyway. Yeah, okay. And and then when that when that happened, they thought, right, yeah, let's definitely go ahead and do that. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. I guess. But anyway, that's the new cover. I, I, I do quite like the new cover. Yeah. Um, it's got what's a, some sort of warforged with a cloak. Uh, with, and warforged on mechanical golems. Well, that's not Iron Man. Oh, that's, that's not in fact Iron Man. It's probably some sort of sorcerer or something like that. Yeah, and then we got a halfling. Uh, probably one of the famed halfling barbarians, like the very Mad Max style of sword and boomerang. And uh, a dinosaur. A dinosaur in the background. Yeah. Yeah. And there's like some sort and, of... And they're in this desert landscape. Yes, with a winged creature looking down on them from above. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, it's not... I don't know, it looks, looks all right. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, I don't like it more or less than the last one. Either of them is fine, I think. Yeah, uh, I, I, I think I like this one marginally better. Yeah, but I didn't, I didn't really have a problem with the other one. No, I didn't. Yeah. But there you go. So yeah, yeah, it's got a new cover. Woohoo! Well, there is one last bit of news, of course, because oh, yeah. today's Wednesday, isn't it? If you're listening to this, it will be Wednesday. Yes. Maybe so guess what happened yesterday on Tuesday? What happened on Tuesday? Book got released. Which book? The latest book from Wizard of the Coast. Ah. Uh, Descent into Avernus. Yeah, there we go. We're recording here on Monday, so it hasn't actually appeared yet. But by the time you hear this... It will totally come out. It will have come out, yes. I'm sure it'll be great. And I'm sure we'll weigh it at some point. Mm -mm. As we... uh so one wins its way over to merry old England and uh, we... Well, we've got that same problem that keeps on happening is uh, mm-hmm. Amazon orders appear to be delayed until mid-October oh. over here. Wow, okay. So my Amazon order, it's, I think it was October the 9th, I think it said, is the estimated delivery date now. So we'll stay super current. And I did pre-order it ages ago, so... Yeah. You know, I don't know, don't know what happens. But, oh, well, that's a bummer. Yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah. Once we get that, we'll probably cover it in the show. Oh, God, we're so packed with stuff over the coming weeks. Guess some things. I know. Sure we're going to squeeze it in. Yeah. Well, we will squeeze it in because yes. we kind of have to. <laughs> we're dedicated to giving you all the latest, freshest RPG news. Yes. I think that is it for the news. Do you is want to do it? a few quick Kickstarters? Because there's only the two of us. So we probably won't do the game. Oh, okay. So we should just uh, uh, glance at what ones there are. Oh, yeah. Well, have you seen any good Kickstarters? So, let's have a look. so uh, on Kickstarter, we're finishing soon. Yes. Uh, I'll just whip through them quickly. We got uh, Tenebria, Remnant of Rome, mm-hmm. uh, survival and resource management RPG after the fall of Rome. Oh, okay, nice. Uh, what system is that using? Uh, the plus one system. I don't know it. This is a core rule book. It's, uh, okay. it's a full game. Yeah. Okay. So it's a full game. Uh, do you know anything else about it? Uh, well, I can, let's have a look. Uh, Rome, the famous Eternal City, yep. has fallen. Mm-hmm. And the last Imperator exiled into obscurity. There are no more supply trains to support the legions. Mm-hmm. There is no more trade with the coasts. As mm-hmm. far as you know, you are the last Romans stranded a thousand stadia from anywhere. All right, fair enough. 
Uh, so it's Tenebria, it's, which is, I guess, something about shadows. Um, and there seems to be some sort of, I don't know, bird-headed with antlers? Or maybe a stag's head, it's supposed to be? Yeah. Uh, chap on the thing, uh, like a skull of a stag with antlers, and is throwing around four aces of playing cards. Playing cards, yes. Yes, I'm not... I, I, I can't be honest, I'm not 100% sure that that's all adding up to me, but yeah, no, fair enough. When's that? September 21st? Yeah, yeah, these are all ending in the next week. Okay. Uh, well, yeah. So the next one we've got is Adrenaline Near Future. Okay. It's for the Forged in the Dark system, and it says Danny Ocean, mm. Ethan Hunt, Evelyn Salt, Dominic Toretto, yes. they have nothing on you. Nah. Stealth, style, and speed, you and your crew have it in spades. And you have cyberware too. Ooh. So, Forged in the Dark would be based off the Blades in the Dark system, I'm guessing. I guess. Yeah. So, yeah, that'd be a nice uh, adaptation for that rule set. For... Are they? Action, adventures. Yeah. Heist with a cyberpunk nature. Yeah, Ocean's yeah. Eleven, Mission Impossible, Fast and Furious. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay, uh, the Geneva Cavern Adventures for D&D 5th Edition from Fireside Creation. Mm-hmm. Um, this is uh, three adventure mod- modules for... Okay, for a whole load of games. For AD&D 1st Edition, D&D 5th Edition, 77 Worlds, and Dragon Scales RPGs. Okay. I don't know all of those. No. Uh, But uh, it's three adventures. Yep. Uh, The Geneva Cabin Adventure Series, which began with The Forgotten Dungeon Uh and Mirror Mirror. Yep. Uh, They will be producing Return to the Forgotten Dungeon, Uh uh, Pyramid of Doom, and Lair of an Evil God. Well, that's the problem with dungeons. They're yeah. underground, so you tend to forget where they are. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, three three adventures for various game systems. Okay. Have we got any idea of a pledge for that or something? Have we got what, sorry? Any idea of a pledge to get all those? Uh, $50 is the soft cover book, apparently, is the most okay. popular pledge. Yeah, that's, that's quite good, like about $16 a book. Yeah. yeah. Right. And what have we got? We've got Call of Cthulhu Sverige. Sverige? How the hell do you pronounce that word? Well, I don't know, Sverige. Is that like. In S-V- Swedish or something. S-V-E-R-I-G-E. Well, it is a Swedish yeah. language edition of Call of Cthulhu. Yeah, there you go. So it's, yeah, Call of Cthulhu Swedish. Yes. Basically. Okay. Yeah. Ah. There we go. Ah. Um, ah. Yep, that's on Kickstarter. We have a four-part adventure series for D&D 5th edition called uh, Erifer. 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 Oh, dear. Yes. Er- yeah, quirky. E-R-Y-P-H-I-R. I'm going to say Erifer. And I'm quite glad that I don't have to guess what that means. <laughs> like, I like the character sheet, though. Uh, oh, yes, okay. I think that's quite... Yeah, I like it's a, oh. a kind of a simple, attractive style, of a car- yeah. slightly cartoony style that... Mm. Yeah, it's really easy to see the information you want. Where's it got skills and stuff? Um, oh, this is presumably for a, yeah, for a monster. There you go, skills. Yeah. Uh, that's, a, that's a paladin. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Paladin, level two. Level, yeah. yeah, okay. Oh. Yeah, and it's got a little, um, what are they called? QR codes. QR code in the bottom left, so yeah. I presume you can scan that and look other stuff up. I guess. Uh, well, this, this seems like it's got a lot of user-friendliness built mm. in. Uh, uh, tell me more about this. Uh, it's by Wizco Games. Yes. It's uh, Episodic RPG Adventures for 5th edition. Nice. Uh, when word reaches the adventures, uh, adventurers of yeah. a murder in a small remote hamlet, Ooh. they are tasked with uncovering the truth behind the unusual event. 
Yep. Their investigation will lead them down a desperate road of horror and sorrow as they chase the culprit across the colonies, attempting to bring them to justice. Okay. Sounds fun. Yep. Why is it uh, called Erefair? I'm, I'm not entirely sure. I think that's maybe the uh, world, maybe? I don't know. No, it's a car- yeah, campaign setting. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's four four-part episodes, each one designed for a single session. Okay. Uh, so how much is that then? Uh, $16, you can get four PDFs is the most popular pledge. Okay, so that's about $4. That's about the sort of price you pay on DMs Guild. Seems reasonable. Yeah. Uh, Uh, A very very nice artwork, um, and that character is quite pretty. I like that character, yeah. It's a landscape one as well, notably. It's not a a portrait character. I I have the feeling, maybe it's just because it's on the screen, but I feel like it's probably only about post... uh, What's it, postcard-sized? That would be cool. That would be very cool. If it actually was a postcard, actually, that would be cool. I think it could be, you know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, uh, finally, we got Oasis of the Elementals, D&D yeah. 5th Edition, Pathfinder yeah. 2nd Edition. Nice. Um, think Arabian Nights meets uh, Fist... Uh, I'll try and say that again. Think Arabian Nights yes. meets A Fistful of Dollars. Ooh. I would not have got that from Oasis of the <laughs> Elementals. I'll be perfectly honest. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Anyway, that's, that's, yeah. the, that's the Kickstarter's ending soon. Oh. All right, lad. You said you needed some help. Yes, sir. I mean, yes, sir. Thank you, sir. It means ever so much. All right. All right. What kind of help do you need? Local troll? Kobolds? I bet it's you and your friends getting nervous with all those tieflings showing up. Not nothing to worry about, lad. Just the newest edition adding player options. A uh, what? Ah, uh, never you mind. You'll learn if you stick around long enough. Uh, well, that's not quite it, sir. Uh, you can quit with the surfing, my lad. Hmm. I bet it's that blood-sucking fiend of a vampire lord in that old castle in the next Shire over. He's not a bad sort, as blood-sucking fiends of the vampire lords go, to be honest. Well, that's not actually... Listen, listen. My advice there is to leave that one alone. He mostly keeps to himself, except on his high own holy days. And even then he keeps to his own Shire, mostly. You dispatch with him, and you have no idea what sort of blood-sucking fiend of a vampire lord will move in next. Trust me. But that's not... Yeah. All sorted? All right. I'm off to the tavern for a pint. It, 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 it comes in pints? But but wait, no. I, I, I still need to... Uh, what? Uh, there's more than just that blood-sucking fiend of a vampire lord. Your party needs to slow down, lad. Mm, well, you see, sir, um, I I actually want, wanted your help with our party's list before we go on our first adventure in the chaotic... Heavens of Chaotic Chaos. Oh, really? That were my first dungeon as well, lad. Brings back memories, that does. Well, even though it's been a few editions since, uh, I would say you need at least a fighter, a cleric, a thief, a pardon, rogue, uh, and a wizard. That'll cover your dungeon-calling basics. Well, we, ha- we have all that. I mean, not those exact... What I actually wanted your help with is reviewing our equipment list to make sure we haven't forgotten anything important. What? Huh? Well, why not? Equipment's half the battle in a dungeon. Here, hand it over. Mm. Yeah, let's see. Mm. Rations, rope, holy water, torches, caltrops, spikes, hammer. Mm. Yeah, mm. Well, you've even got your standard ten-foot pole. Haven't seen one of those in years. I think you'll find that. Oh, thank you, sir. I'll grab my party and be on my way. Thank you so much again. Wait, wait, lad. You forgot your... Yes? 
You've got your barricade Bessie. Barricade what? Barricade Bessie. Your bovine dungeon support. Your pack animal. Your milk and meat sauce if needed. As much as we loved our besties, there's always that aspect. A cow, to put it plainly, lad. Are you meaning to tell me you actually used to take cows into dungeons with you? You mean to tell me you youngsters don't? Oh, you hipsters, with your beards and your player options and feats. You're losing the art and science of it all. I think you're having me on, sir. <laughs> Not at all, lad. Why, a good barricade Bessie is practically your fifth core adventuring class. Carry your gear, built-in provisions, wider, also nice and soft and toasty to sleep against in them colder dungeons. You're serious? Absolutely. A barricade Bessie saved me here more than once in a dicey dungeon delve. Why do you call them barricade Bessies? Ah, well, you see, it's a bit unfortunate, but sometimes it's what it comes to. You get in a tight spot with some orcs or goblins or something, while doing a nice bit of invading of their home, and if that dungeon's narrow enough... Yes? Well, you just wedge that Bessie sideways in the dungeon corridor and use it for cover. A cow can absorb a lot of damage, much more than you might reckon. No arrow or crossbow bolts getting through that, lad. Make sure to get a nice fat one. I I don't even know what to... The best part is, after the fight's over, most of the time the goblins or what have you have done most of the job of butchering your barricade Bessie right up. Right chopped rations ready to go, lad. This is total bald dash. I'm green, but I'm not that green, sir. Relieve what you want, lad. Nice chewing the cud with you. Well, I'll get moving off and be off for that pint. Thank you, sir. Even if you try to send me on a bit of a sniper, as it were. <laughs> Does he really think I'm that simple? Right. Where can I get a blasted cow on the quick before we leave town? So, topic of the week. Topic of the week is yes? the top 20 D&D villains. Ooh, exciting. So I put a poll up on my website. Yes, on ianworld.org. Yeah, we had um, a few dozen nominations. Nice. And everyone voted for a week or so. Yeah. And these are the top 20 that got through. So if, you're, if your favourite villain didn't make it through into the top 20, I'm sorry, it's not my fault. Yeah, you should have voted it for It was Democratic. Yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is not the top 20 as decided by me. It's the top 20 as decided by you. Um, by you, we mean random people on the Ian world. But yes. still, it's, it's, it's been nice to talk about it. <laughs> you might be one of those random people. In which case, well done. Yes. If you're not, well, sorry. Okay. Are you ready? I was born ready. Let's do it. Woo. So, these 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 villains yes. come from a, a variety of different D&D worlds. Yes. There's some from Ravenoft, Dragonlance. Nice. Greyhawk, Mistara, the Forgotten Realms. I haven't heard of that Ooh. one. Must the Forgotten Realms. I can't remember. (laughs) (laughs) Dark Sun, Eberron, um, some that uh, aren't even any of those. Oh, exciting. Very exciting. Yeah. So, okay. So number 20, the 20th most what D&D? Most popular D&D villain, I guess. I guess most hated, most like. Most liked, most something. Most notorious. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Most 20th... notorious D&D villain. There you go. We know what we're doing. Yeah. Totally, totally official. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That well-known character. Yes. That scourge of many a campaign. Yes. Warduke. Who? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
of in so there. I remember Warduke. So Warduke, back right. So in but does Pepperidge Farm remember Warduke? <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> in the eighties, um, they came out with some D and D toys, like action figurey type oh, things. And one of them, nice. one of them was Warduke. Yeah. Um, and then uh, he had he had this helmet. He was like a fighter. Yeah, yeah. And he had this helmet with these big sort of bat wings coming out the side of it. Oh, okay. And he was a bad-tempered kind of guy. I'm not yeah. sure he was actually a villain because uh, he then appeared as a pre-generated character in some adventure. Oh, okay. I can't remember which one offhand. Right. Uh, and then he got statted up, I think, probably in a magazine. But uh, where I remember him mostly from was um, there was a supplement called the Shady Dragon Inn, oh, which yeah. just contained dozens and dozens and dozens of NPC stat blocks. Is this your wardrobe? That is him. See what I mean by his sort of weird helmet? He does have a weird helmet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's like He-Man... They took a He-Man doll and whacked a big face-covering helmet with some sort of wing... pointy wings on the top and said, yeah, yeah, yeah well, give him an iron glove as well. That's, that's different from Earth. That's not He-Man. Okay. So I was slightly surprised by his presence in that list, but yes. I cannot argue with democracy. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that, that is number 20. Yeah. Warduke. Oh, okay, yes. Okay, yeah. so number 19. Yes. On number 19, we go to Eberron. Yes. And yes. we have yes. the Lord of Blades. Oh. Well, we're sorry, Lee, for the spoilers for your game, but anyway. Who's Magneto, <laughs> I think. Oh, okay. <laughs> you, th- you think Magneto... It's Eberron Magneto. Eberron Magneto. That's how I think of him anyway. Yeah. Uh, tell me more. So, yeah, the Lord of Blades, he, um, he lives in the Mornland and he leads this band of warforged who want to destroy all the races of the flesh. Oh. So there's a little like, yeah, mystery around him. Yeah. Um, that's, that's what he looks like. He's quite bladey. Uh, yeah. So um, he's a warforged guy. So basically sort of a mecha golem, but with extra savvy bits. Yeah. yeah. So he uh, appeared in Dungeon Magazine as well. Um, yeah. There we go. That's the Lord of the Blades for you. Oh, you're just ruining my uh, GM's plot now. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's right. Sorry, Lee. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. uh, made by House Caniff and uh, it's no good. Mm. Yeah. Well, I'm sure I'm sure that will turn out to be a completely different chap. I'm sure it will. Yes. I, I will probably have forgotten I got it by next week. Okay. Yes. N- number 18. Number 18. We will leave Eberron. Yes. And we will skip and hop and jump and pirouette our way over to you can pair it if you like. It's really hard. <laughs> Greyhawk. Okay. And we will meet... Yes? Igwilve. Bless you. <laughs> or Tasha, as you may know her. Oh, as in Tasha's hideous laughter. So, yeah. So, yeah, so Igwilve... I'm, right, I'm trying to remember this. This is going back yes. a long way. So, Igwilve... Yes? I think her original name was Natasha. Okay. As a kid. Right. Uh, before she became Igwilf. Yeah. Uh, and she's the origin of Tasha's hideous laughter, laughter the spell. Yeah. But Igwilf is uh, a Greyhawk villain and is the mother of um, Oyaz, or Iaz, I-U-Z. I'm just going to nod. Okay. That's, that's a, great that's podcasting a, that's a Greyhawk, material. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's yeah. an evil Greyhawk deity. Okay, yes. Um, oh, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. slightly surprised... Lee plays the mother of a god. Mm. Yeah. I'm slightly surprised again to see, see her in the list, given some more prominent creatures that maybe didn't make it, but oh, oh. there we go. That, well, that, was, clearly, that was number 18. Good, good work. Yeah. Mm. Who's next? Well, we're currently in Greyhawk. Yes. We now need to retrace our steps. So it's lucky we okay. left those breadcrumbs, isn't it? Wow. So that we could find our way back. Until Hudson ate them. Hudson's <laughs> <laughs> eat them, no! Ah, why? We find our way back to Eberron. Yes. 
We're back in Eberron. Yeah. And number 17 yes. is yes. Irandis Vol, the Lich Queen. Ooh, shiny. Who I know nothing about, so I'll look up. Well, I imagine they're a queen and also a lich. It's a good combination. Seems reasonable. Uh, so, Irandis Vol, um, she's also known as Lady Vol or the yeah. Lich Queen. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, she's the last heir of House of Vol. Okay. Uh, which is the elven bloodline that bore the mark of death. Ooh. Um, she's believed dead by most, but she was brought back as a lich. Yes. And is secretly a leader, manipulating several sects of the blood of Vol and the Emerald Claw. Wow, there you go. Hmm. Um, sounds very lichy. Yes. Well, the Emerald Claw apparently is a green dragon, whose real name is known only to Minara, who is Irandis Vol's mum. Right, bum. there we go. Oh. <laughs> It does say she's half elven, half dragon, so I'm going to say... Lich, <laughs> half dragon, elf, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, good old further. I am sure she's lovely. Yes. Yeah. Seems like the sort of person you want to take home and have tea. Yes. Yeah. Again, Eberron not being my um, area of expertise. Yes. Wait till we get on to the dragon ants ones, I can talk to yeah. you all day about them. Ah, well, that's why <laughs> we can both talk. There we go. Uh, Who's next? Not, not, uh, no spoilers, there might not be any dragon ants ones. There might not be. There might not be. Or there might be. Let's take these dragon arts ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The next one yes. is not from an official D&D world. Not from Greyhawk. The next one is Venger. <gasps> Venger. My first, my first D&D villain. Yeah, the cartoon character. Yeah. Um, what's to say about Venger? Venger... Um, a big fan of asymmetric hats. Yeah. Continually chased um, the, the, the heroes in the Dungeons & Dragons cartoon on yeah. his flying horse. Yeah. Um, didn't like Tiamat either, who also no. chased the heroes. Yeah. I guess he was lawful evil versus chaotic evil. Yeah. Um, he could shoot rays out of his finger, as I recall. Um, could he not? I, I don't remember, but I do remember he needed to get out in the sun more. Yeah. He was, yeah. A, he was a real peely Wally. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't, he wasn't a nice guy. No, no. No. Okay. On to number 15. Yes. 15. We are now entering the Forgotten Realms. Those realms that have been forgotten. By virtually no one. Because <laughs> everyone knows where they are. <laughs> the Forgotten Realms and our first entry in the Forgotten yes. Realms is... Yes. Xanathar. Ah, yes. Good old Xanathar. I did not realise until Xanathar's Guide to Everything came out hmm. that Xanathar was actually a beholder. Not only is Xanathar a beholder, Xanathar's multiple beholders. No. So you know he's got a goldfish. Sildar. So, and the goldfish keeps getting replaced. Yes, because and it he would be really bad. And he doesn't know. Yes. That's actually a metaphor yes. for Xanathar himself. Because there's been lots replaced. of Xanathars, and, pe- ah. and other beholders keep coming in and killing the previous Xanathar wow. and taking over the role and the Thieves Guild and the name. And they're like, you're a beholder, you're still going to kill us, so we'll just keep your goldfish coming. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Xanathar the beholder. Right. Hmm. Well, now I don't. Yeah. Okay, let us go on to number 14. Yes. And we are now in... Dragonlance. Whoop, whoop. And who would you say is the biggest villain in Dragonlance? Like, are we talking physically? Both. Um, I'll give you a clue. That's five heads. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So, Tarkesis then? Tarkesis. Tarkesis, yes. Tarkesis, yes. Um, yes, the five-headed chromatic dragon. Ah, yes. Uh, also the goddess of evil. Totally not a rip-off of Tiamat. The person who started the uh, War of the Lance. Yeah. They say a rip-off of Tiamat. What is interesting? What is interesting? <laughs> yes, Hudson out there finds this interesting as well. Yeah. The DMG, I think it is, now yeah. actually says they're the same character. 
Okay. And says that Tarakesis mm. is uh, Tiamat's name in Dragonlance. Oh. But other sources have said they're different characters before. And yes. uh, they've got different alignments. Yes. They, uh, they reside in different places. Tarakesis right. is the Abyss. Yep. Tiamat is um, Hell. Yes. But, so, but Russ, I, have a, I have a question for you. Mm. Where does a five-headed dragon goddess sit? Wherever she wants to. Yes, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to try and tell her what she can say. It's like, yeah. No, you can't come in here, chomp. <laughs> Find me a more amenable lackey. <laughs> yeah, well, Tarkis is number yeah. 14. Now, number yeah. 13. Yes? It is Boris, the dragon of Tyre. Okay. And um, this is from Dark Sun. Okay. And uh, like Dark- Eberron, Dark Sun is one of the one of the couple of worlds I'm not particularly familiar with all I, that much. I think, from what I understand it, it's set in the far future. It's sort of a dystopian one in that the world is dying because... Oh, yeah. It's all, it's all like, like a, a desert world, destroy yeah. green, preservers and defilers, and people get their magic by draining it from the land and stuff like that. Okay, yeah. And the world is ruled by these sorcerer kings. That much I know. Okay, yeah. Uh, in these great city-states and stuff. Uh, and uh, Boris the Dragon of Tyre apparently is one of the Sorcerer Kings Fair and enough. is a bit of a meanie mm. and he's number 13 in our list well there we go but he's not as much of a meanie as number 12 oh because number 12 yes. is yes. Mr. A. Smodius 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 that rings spells Mr. A. S. Modius oh yes, <laughs> there we go that makes a lot more sense Asmodius yes okay so I'm the in the uh, litany of um, D&D villains, Satan himself comes in like about number 12. Number so. 12. Yeah. The incarnation of evil, the lord of hell. <laughs> yeah. He's like, well, he's all right, but he's not making the top half of this list, we've got to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Asmodeus has been around for donkey's years. No. Um, you see a typical Satan analogue in, um, yeah. in he, D&D. He's the lord of hell. Yeah. Like, if you, if you find yourself in hell, you've, you clearly made some sort of dreadful tactical error. Hmm. But yeah, okay. Okay, number 11. Yes. Back to the Forgotten Realms. Yes. They seem very well remembered. Arch enemy. Yes. Is. Yes. Or one of his arch enemies. Yes. Is an assassin. Yes. Called. Yes. Artemis Entreri. Okay. Like, like Driz, he's a, a two weapon dual wielder. Oh, okay, yeah. He has a, a like a I think it's a soul sucking dagger or something like that and a, and a oh, sword. Right. Uh, he can basically fight about as well as Drizzt can. Awkward. Um, they've had lots of duels together where they just buzzsaw dual swords at yeah. each other, <laughs> like Jedi style. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's um, actually quite difficult to do, but yeah, yeah. I imagine so. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's why I get paid the big bucks. <laughs> Um, yeah, so yeah, Artemis and Trevi is number 11, and he tops yes. out the, the, uh, the, the, the 11 to 20 section of our, the top half of our list. Ooh. Well, it was good effort, but... But what? none of these characters were evil enough to make it into the top 10. The Not top even 10. Asmodeus the Lord of Hell wasn't evil enough to make it into the top 10. I noticed he's less evil than... <laughs> <laughs> well, less but, notorious, Less then, notorious. Say. Well, I suppose it's a matter of expectations, really. You don't really... You, you expect him to get up to no good. Hmm. Which I uh, does make her Tarkesis seem like you know pretty familiar, really. Okay, yeah. number ten. Number ten. Here we number go. ten. We're in Greyhawk, but yes. uh, we're also in various other settings. Yes. Um, because that is one thing about these is um a lot of them are based in certain settings, but yeah. some of the ones that might be in Greyhawk or might be in Mistara or might be wherever. Yeah. Wizards of the Coast tends to dump them in for the they've got on these days. Yes. Um. So these aren't 
when I say these people are from places, yes. they that's kind of where they originated. They may well be in the grounds now. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But uh, this one is Tharisdun. Okay. You're looking at me blankly. I am. Hmm. Tharisdun is a greater god of evil. Is he? Yes. He's okay. not a very nice, not a very nice person. He's yeah. the uh, god of eternal darkness, decay, okay. entropy, malign knowledge, insanity, and cold. So, if you want some ice in your drink, he's the guy to call. So, so basically, he got all the uh, domains that everyone else was like, oh, I don't want those. <laughs> so, he was created by Gary Gygax, uh, yes. based on Robert J. Kuntz's dark god, uh, Tharsdun, yeah. many, many, many years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, he was imprisoned ages ago by a bunch of deities to prevent the destruction of existence himself. Okay. Um, although, and uh, although he's imprisoned, he still has some of his original multiverse-threatening power. Mm. Um, his holy symbol is a dark spiral rune and oh. a two-tiered inverted ziggurat. Two-tiered inverted ziggurat. Mm. Okay. And oh. he's, uh, he's he's quite horrible, really. He's, he's mentioned in the um, fourth edition DMG. He's uh, mentioned in Complete Divine, uh, uh, D&D third edition. And he's mentioned no. in the Player's Handbook in fifth edition as so, an example packed patron for warlocks. Okay. So a bit of rehabilitation going on there, really. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, um, uh, in 5th edition, he's referred to as Tharazdan, the god of madness. Okay. Chaotic evil with a trickery domain. Ooh. And uh, he's listed as one of the elder evils in Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes. Seems legit. He's a pitch-black, roiling, amorphous form. I bet he has difficulty with hats. Or an incorporeal wraith form, black and faithless. And Gary mm. Gygax called him a primordial deity, that of matter at rest and decay of energy, viz. entropy. Bum, bum, bum. There you go. That's Tharizdun. Yeah. He's also sometimes worshipped as an entity called the Elder Elemental Eye. Ah. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. Well, there you go. Tharizdun. Tharizdun. Yes. That was number 10 in our list. Yes. Number 9. Yes. Eels. Yes. A demon lord. Yes. A large demon lord. Okay. With a large stick. You are missus. <laughs> He's called Orcus. You ah, may yes. have heard of him before. Yes, I used to think he was like a big orc, but that was just wrong. He was not a big orc. He's a big demon lord. He's a big demon lord. Yes. And he's got like the staff of orcus or something. Wand orcus. The wand of orcus. Yes. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Or a stick, as I like to call it. The stick of orcus. <laughs> it's the stick of orcus. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there's not much to say about him. When everyone knows who he is. Everyone who's played D&D probably knows uh, who he is. Well, like, he's big into necromancy, I think. Well, yeah. Um, in fact, you have to convince him to so, become a lich or so something. He, originally, right? so Orcus was yeah. uh, the god of the underworld in uh, Roman mythology. Oh, a of broken yes. Oaths, there we are, yeah. And uh, was was kind of synonymous with Hades. Well, sort of, yeah. Okay. Uh, so in D&D, of course, he's a demon prince and lord of the undead. All right, yes. Um, he's named after the Roman Orcus, mm-hmm. and he's got a mace with a like human skull as its head. Okay, and he's probably probably I reckon the most famous demon lord. Uh, I guess, guess yeah. in D and D, is he a demon lord or a devil lord? He's a demon lord. Demon lord. Okay, yeah. Um, he's uh, one of a small handful. It says here that have been detailed in every edition of the game. Nice. And he first appeared in 1976, created by Gary Gygax and Brian Bloom. In the Eldridge Wizardry Supplement. Sweet. And the book stated there were several such demon princes, although only Orcus and Demogorgon were detailed. Ah, yes. So, yeah. Orcus, Prince of the Undead, was number nine. 
Right. Number Good eight. Match. Yes. Tiamat. Ooh, yes. Hacks. We've already kind of covered her with Jarkeesis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like um, the Persian goddess of the sea and general up to no goodness. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so mm, fair enough. Well, this particular Tiamat is the five-headed dragon queen who's currently imprisoned in hell, I believe. And it's chaotic evil. I thought she was running the show in hell. Well, well, she was well, like in charge of the first level or something. Uh, I, think That's she, what they I think she used to be. Okay. Let's, 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 let's look her up, see what she is now in the meta plot. Yes. I know she has done. Yes. Um, let's have a look. Tiamat, D&D, where, what is she doing in the meta? Well, she's in um, Descent to Into Avernus, so... Yes. You know, that will tell us what she's currently doing in the in the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, where are we? Tiamat. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Bear, 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 bear. Supremely strong, powerful, five-headed, draconic goddess. Yes, we know that. Queen and mother of evil dragons. We know that. Yeah. Um, first created in 1975, Gary Gygax and Robert Koontz mm-hmm. uh, in uh, in the first Greyhawk supplement. Yeah. Uh, she didn't have a name back then, though. She was just the dragon queen and the chromatic dragon. Okay. Let's have a look where she is now. Let's scroll down to Fifth Edition. Yeah. Uh, she uh, is mentioned in the DMG. Yeah. Main villain in the first adventure story, as we know. Yeah. Her potential arrival is the conclusion of the uh, Rise of Tiamat storyline. Well, I, I'm pretty sure they've mentioned her in Avernus as being yeah, in charge of something. In Could four, be wrong. Which is in fourth edition. Well, it's quite, it's quite hard to work out what she's doing. It says her realm is located in Nine Hells. Mm-hmm. So she claimed a realm, of her, a realm of her own, but it was later destroyed. Mm. Hmm. Uh, she then pledged her allegiance to Bane and yeah. now resides in the Black Hands realm of Banehold. Okay. So she's basically crashing on Bane's count. I guess so, yeah. Yeah. So that was Tiamat. Yes. Who was number eight. Nice. So number yes. seven. Number seven. Is another evil goddess. Okay. From the Forgotten Realms. Right. Eight legs. Oh, there we go. Yeah, it must be Lolf. That is indeed Lolf. Yes. The Queen of Spiders. Yes. Yes. The, 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 the goddess who, when they first decided to, in, to illustrate her, yes. clearly they were sitting around in a room yes. and someone said, what should we make her look like? And someone went, just draw a spider with a woman's head on it. That'll do. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I, I never, I actually came across her first in a LARPing context, believe it or not. Oh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was like, uh, we had draw. Well, came like, on a lot. Well, oh, yes, yes, it, it did make the encounter a lot easier, I've got to say. <laughs> hmm. yeah, um, so there you go, uh, patron of Drow and leading their ridiculous society, which saw chaotic evil all the time or something, or lawful evil. She's a chaotic evil deity of a lawful evil society, that's mm. the one. Oh, okay, so that was number seven, that was Lolf, the Queen of Spiders. Yes. Goddess of the Drow. Woo-hoo. So number six. Yes. Number six, we go back in time. Way back. Way back in time, do All you recall Bargle the Infamous? No. Okay. So back in the 80s, yes. uh, is Frank Mentz's Red Box set, Ooh, Basic nice. D&D. Right. There's an adventure in there. And yes. go for memory, I might get some um, details wrong. There's an yes. adventure in there, which yes. you could play, and yep. there was an NPC, I think she was a cleric, Alina. Okay, yeah. And uh, Bargle the Infamous was the bad guy in it. Nice. And one of the things about the adventure was no matter what you did, towards the end, uh, Bargle magic missiles her to death. Oh. <laughs> and a lot, a, a, lot of, a lot of people who played or got into D&D yeah. 
at that time resent Barbara the Infamous for that act and yes. have done ever since. Rightly so. So while he's certainly not the most powerful person on the uh, on this list, yes, he's one of the most despised. He deserves his notoriety. Yes, Barbara yeah. the Infamous. He was like a level six wizard or something. I can't remember. Oh, what? Better get up. Better that. Yeah. <laughs> and then he went. He, he popped up a couple more times in later things, and they developed his history a bit more and stuff like that. But yeah. that's basically the important bit. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Okay, we're into horrible. the top five now. Top five. Top five. Oh, it's getting bad now. Uh, real notorious villains. Yeah, man. horrible villains here. Yeah. So, number five. Yes. Greyhawk. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ready Player One. Oh, Acerac. Acerac. Cutrac. There's, there's two ERs in there. Acerac. Bless you. It's quite hard to say. <laughs> Acerac, <laughs> yes. The Lich who created the Tomb of Horrors. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. Ah, he's a, he's a, lovely, he's a lovely person. He's... And later the Tomb of Annihilation. Yes. Yeah. Indeed, yeah. Um, if you've got a tomb and you need something terrible to happen to your players, then Acerac has you covered. Yeah, he's a Lich who became a Demi-Lich. Uh, he's, he's just a wandering... He, he's just a general ass about portfolio. He yeah. get, goes around causing trouble, like, for no good reason. Yeah. 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 Okay, number four. Yes. Number four, we're going back yes. to Dragonlance. Oh, like it. Maybe a bit of an anti-hero, this, rather than a okay. villain. I don't know. What do you um, say? I don't know. Raceland Majeer. Oh, that is tricky. That is tricky. I mean, on the one hand, War of the Lance pretty much picked it up and carried it for quite a long way. There'd be a lot of times they'd be super dead without him. Because, hmm. you know, you need your wizard. But then, on the other hand, did kind of turn super evil... And it did attempt stuff. to destroy the world. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's generally not something I associate with heroes. To be fair, destroying the world is only a side effect, though. That wasn't his main goal. Yeah, that makes he it much better. He just wanted to become a god. Yeah, yeah, he's like, I'll become a god and I'll destroy the world. Eh. Yes. Yeah, that, that's not really hero talk, I've got to say, Russ. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. So, yeah, yeah. number four. Yes. The fourth most notorious villain in our list was Raceline Majeur. Yes, okay. Yeah. Okay, number three. Yes. We have someone who yes. is either only a hand and an eye or missing a hand and an eye, depending on which period in history. <laughs> uh, uh, so Vecna. Vecna, yes. Yes. Uh, yes. Oh, yes, well, the idea is that you come across these ancient artefacts of evil, and if you cut off your hand and place the hand of Vecna upon you, then you become imbued with the power of the hand of Vecna. Mm. And the same deal with the eye. Mm. Terrifying stuff. Made all the more hideous by... The mo- by the third artifact, which gets spoke of even less, the head of Vecna. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he, he, he comes from Greyhawk. Yes. He, uh, he was a wizard, became a lich. Yes. Uh, eventually he got killed uh, and the hand and the eye were all that was left. Oh, uh, didn't get better from that one, did he? Um, well, he did. He then oh. achieved godhood. Nice. Uh, uh, it's nice to see someone overcoming disadvantages. Yeah, um, but it's still missing his left hand and eye. And his symbol oh, okay. is a eye in the palm of a left hand. Oh, okay. It's like he really leans into his. He's got a theme going. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Yeah, this is my motif now. <laughs> yeah. Um, his right hand man was cast the bloody handed, who was That's a vampire. That's what he did there. Right hand man. Yeah. <laughs> well, his left hand man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the hand and eye of Vecna were invented in. Eldritch Wizardry by Brian Bloom. Oh, okay. The only remnants of Vecna. Along with uh, Orcus, apparently. So there we go. Well, at the time, yeah. that was basically how he was introduced. It was just literally yes. those two artifacts were created. Oh, okay. There was no sort of backstory for Vecna at the time. Yeah. He just Brian had Bloom the hand just, and the yeah, eye. Brian, yeah. Bloom just said, Brian Bloom just created these things and said, these are the only remnants of an evil lich. Yeah. Uh, and that was it. 
And uh, Vecna, interestingly, yes. is an anagram of yes. Vance, as in Jack Vance. Bam, bam, the bam. author on whom much of D&D's magic system is based. Yes, literally Vance's magic. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And the Dying Earth and so forth. Yeah. Yes. Oh, good stuff. Uh, so, yeah, so the Hand and, Eye and Vecna, Hand and Eye of Vecna were mentioned throughout the years in various bits and pieces. Yeah. And in second edition, yeah. uh, his sort of history was expanded in the description of the Hand and the Eye in the Magic mm. Items section of the DMG. Have you? Yeah. And then in 1990, there was an adventure called Vecna Lives, and this was the first time Vecna ever appeared in person. Ba, ba, ba. He was a demigod. Yep. He was the uh, bad guy, the big bad in the adventure. Ooh, nice. And at the end of the adventure, uh, he gets transported to Ravenloft. Ooh, nice. So he can hang out with his buddies there. Yeah. Yeah. That is Vector. Impressive. He's, uh, yeah, he's one of my favourite villains. Yeah. Once we've done this, you can say which of these 20, which three you would choose. Ooh. I'll tell you which three I choose, and then okay. I'll tell you which three I would choose. But yeah. Number two, is, Number two. One, is one that I chose. Okay, yes. Uh, one of my favourites, yes. probably my favourite D and D villain. Yes, I think. Yeah, he's D and D's Darth Vader. Oh, okay, yeah. From Dragonlance. Yes, it's Lord Soth himself. Ah, the death of campaigns. <laughs> <laughs> the Death Knights showing up. Go home, everyone. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I, you know, I love Death Knights, and Lord Soth is the sort of epitome. Yes, he's the, the archetypical. He's the, he's the Death Knight. Yeah, the defining yeah. characteristic of Death Knight yeah. is how Lord Soft that yeah. they are. He is cool as hell. Absolutely. He'll point at you and say, die, and you will. And that's awkward. Yes. Yeah. He can summon skeletal warriors. He's got banshees that sing songs about him. Yeah. He can do fireballs. He can chop you to pieces with his big sword. Uh, he's got it all, really. Yeah. yeah. He rides a horse with flaming hooves and flaming eyes. Oh, bet that goes for a lot of sprawl. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, as a teenager, Lord Soth is definitely my, my villain of choice. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I kind of was rooting for him in uh, in the Dragonlance books. Yeah, that's true. I kind of wanted him to win. <laughs> <laughs> but screw Tannis. Well, yeah. well, all he does is go, wah, 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 Kitiara, Lorana, wah, wah, wah. Yeah. It's like, come on. But he's basically Darth Vader, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he, he really is. is. He's yeah. got the voice and everything. If someone had a voice... Lord Soth, yes. it would be James Earl Jones, wouldn't it? Oh, yes, absolutely. I could see that working. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, so he's, he's the second most notorious yes. D&D villain. Despite his tragic backstory. Yeah. yeah. So that leaves only one. Oh. The top choice. The most villainous of villains. Yes, hundreds of people notorious. voted for him. Yes. He is officially yes. the top D&D villain. Oh, nice. And can you guess who he is? Um, For a clue? Russ appears to be doing some sort of Cthulhu face, or possibly a Martian, I'm not sure. They're fangs. Oh, they're fangs. Oh, in which case, probably Lord Strahd. Count Strahd von Zarevich, whatever his name is, yeah. Yes, Um, Lord of Barovia. Yes. D&D's big bad vampire. Yes. Um, Star of Curse of Strahd, star of Castle Ravenloft. Totally not a rip-off of Dracula. Not in the slightest. No. Created by Laura and Tracy Hickman back in Absolutely. the 80s. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah, that is quite, quite interesting. I, I enjoyed playing through The Curse of Strahd. Mm-hmm. That was a very solid module. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I've always been a Strahd fan. My favourite Strahd picture is that sort of blue-tinted one where he's standing on a balcony and he's got these two sort of gargoyle heads on either side of him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's doing a bit of posing. Yeah, he does yeah. quite a lot of posing. He does. You've got a bit of a romantic trick in you, though, don't you, Russ? Oh. He was quaffed in love. 
And that's why he said evil. Yeah. Anyway, let's start Bonzo Which is our number one top 10 D&D. Top... Not top 10. Top our number one D&D villain. Number one. Hits all the, notor- the most notorious uh, Strahd von Zarevich. Mm. There we go. Good all right, I think we're done. Huzzah! I think that's the episode. Ah, well, well done. Yeah. I just yeah. want to quickly thank Shane Stacks yes. for our sketch this week. Occasionally Hi, people send us in, in sketches. We have great fun reading them. It saves me having to uh, desperately try and think of one on a Monday morning every week. Yes. <laughs> Coming up yes. in future episodes... Yes. Next week, we have Mike Myler, who'll be talking what? about his new 5th edition setting. Ah, oh, amazing. After that, we've got Chris Spivey. Yay! He's talking about something Cthulhu-esque, I believe. Oh, all the Cthulhu. Um, yeah. Like, oh, three different things to talk about, uh, ranging from Arg to Orrible. Mm-hmm. we got... Um, and then, after that, Peter's going to be in Peru for uh, a couple of couple of weeks, uh, searching, searching for marmalade sandwiches, I believe. Yeah, yes, uh, apparently I'm not allowed to keep any bears, I find. <laughs> <laughs> and so Shane Stacks is going to be joining us for oh, a couple of weeks. Uh, on one of the weeks, he's going to be talking about his book. Yes, all about, about computer role-playing yeah, gaming. It's and his co-author will be coming along. Woo-hoo. Then the following week, he's yes. going to be co-hosting with me while John Hodgson, yes. who uh, who's in charge of that Scarlet Lands creature collection I mentioned earlier. Oh, fantastic. He'll be coming on with Shane helping to co-host. Nice. And that will take us into the middle of October. Good times. Yeah, that's what's coming up. Yeah. Exciting stuff. Very exciting. Yeah. Right, well, this is time to say goodbye. Yes. Goodbye. Goodbye. Apparently I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here.